You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. Once you see these animals, they really are shapeshifters. They do stand up virtually out of the water, and they're very sensuous animals. The stories about them taking human lovers is not hard to believe. Naturalist Cy Montgomery. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. We all know what dolphins look like, right? I mean, we've all seen Flipper. But do we know what all dolphins look like? Have you ever heard of a pink dolphin? A shape-shifting, human-like pink dolphin. Naturalist Cy Montgomery had heard about pink dolphins deep in the Amazon River Basin in Brazil, so she went to check them out. And the result was her 2000 book, The Journey of the Pink Dolphins. And that's when she and I had one of many conversations we've had over the years. So here now, from 2000, Cy Montgomery. I had no notion there were pink dolphins. Yeah, my my mother would say while I was working on the book, how are those pink elephants you're working on? Because it sounds like something that you just make up. It sounds totally impossible. And who would think the dolphins would be pink? Who would think the dolphins would be in a river? But in fact, uh, there are several species of river dolphins. All of them are extremely mysterious. And this species is more amazing yet. In fact, the people that live in the Amazon tell you that these dolphins can come up out of the water, transform into people, and they come to dances where you might be asked to dance with a dolphin. You know, it's easy for us here in the safety of a studio in North America to giggle at such things, but, you know, you make it sound very convincing. I mean, oh, I talked to people all over the Amazon who said, yes, I've danced with dolphins, or yes, I've had a dolphin turn into a person in front of me and try to seduce me, but I didn't go because I knew that she would take me to the enchanted city beneath the water, which you never return from if you ever go there. Uh, people totally believe it, and it's kind of easy to see why. Once you see these animals, they really are shapeshifters, and they do stand up virtually out of the water. There's one of these animals in captivity in North America. His name is Chuckles, and he lives at the Pittsburgh Zoo. And he is able to stand in his exhibit on his tail, and his whole chest comes up out of the water. And it does look like a person. It's really amazing. And they're very sensuous animals. The stories about them taking human lovers is not hard to believe either. So... Um, there's actually a lot of truth in what the what the people say. So that is, they're not just drunken hunters' stories that they come back with. No, although it is mighty convenient to explain to your husband the presence of a baby that was not on the way when you last saw him, because there are people named all over the Amazon, last name Boto, which means dolphin. They're said to be children of the dolphin. It doesn't give you any kind of special powers. A, a lot of uh, people born to dolphins are quite sick. Some of them have holes in their head, of course. That's the blowhole. The, the dolphins, when they appear in, in human form, when they go to seduce people at dances, they usually wear a hat to cover the blowhole. And they also wear sh uh, shoes of armored catfish to cover their tail flukes. <laughs> well, you know, I, I suppose the, the, the illusion is compounded by the fact that they have, have, have fingers. 
Yeah, inside they're huge wing-like flippers. They have five fingers like we do. And their faces are so extraordinary. They don't look like flipper. They have these big bulbous foreheads and these long tubular snouts. And their skin looks delicate like ours does. And they can turn their heads on this flexible neck like a person. And they stick their head out of the water and look into your face. And then they open the top of their head and they gasp. And it just blows you away. There's shamans who say that when they make that incredible sound, when they gasp, they go like, cha! It's an amazing sound. And they say that this is the sound that they make when they send invisible darts flowing from their uh, blowholes. Well, you know, here, here's the thought that occurred to me. I mean, you as, as a scientist, you're, you're down there for a reason. You know, you're not down there to... to get engaged to a dolphin i mean you know <laughs> my husband would love that one <laughs> but it occurs to me i mean after you hear the first 10 stories like that at the first the 20 the first hundred the first thousand at one point do you say well i'm a scientist but you know there's got to be something to this well some of the stories that you hear from the people are not as strange as the stories you hear from the scientists i mean here's the story a scientist told me that blew me away and that was that once whales walked and had legs and hooves. And only a few years ago did paleontologists find the incredible fossils of whales with legs. And so it's as if the dolphins are coming to you from two ends of the spectrum of time. In one story, the people's story, the dolphins come up out of the water and they dance with us on land. But the scientist's story is that they lived on the land and then they went into the water. And which story is more unbelievable? They both are true, in a sense. These animals are animals of transformation. And they transform us, too. And I picked dolphins to be the subject of my quest through the Amazon for that reason. Because I wanted to go there and let the Amazon change me. And I wanted them to be my guide to this otherwise unfathomable world. So what better guide could I have picked? I mean, I suspect there's a pretty fair number of people who wouldn't even put Amazon and dolphin in the same sentence. No, they certainly wouldn't. But boy, is there weird stuff in the Amazon. The, the Amazon was just, everywhere you turned, something impossible was happening. Um, when, when I first went with my photographer, Diane, it was a rainy season, and whole trees were submerged by the water, still growing green leaves underwater. Uh, you would stand up in your canoe, and you would be at eye level with with the nests of, of parrots and uh, the, the nests of tarantulas and bamboo rats. Um, you were canoeing through the, through the treetops. Amazing! And you were finding that there are fish there, for example, who hunt in the air. They launch themselves out of the water. We were constantly, one place we went, we had to wear goggles because one of the major hazards was so many fish fly out of the water and whack you in the eye. <laughs> Talk about a, a travel hazard. Your mother always told you, don't throw that fish, you could put somebody's eye out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, this is worse than running with scissors. After this short break, Cy Montgomery talks about some of the other bizarre wildlife she found in the Amazon. Now back to my 2000 conversation with naturalist Cy Montgomery. There, there are, are spiders there the size of your fist who build nests the size of a badminton net. Uh, 
stuff is out of scale. Lily pads get to be the size of throw rugs. Nothing is the way it's, like it's a supposed journey to back be. In time. It totally is. And so hearing that dolphins can come out of the water and assume human form and seduce you. Suddenly doesn't just, sound so strange well, anymore. <laughs> no, it really it really doesn't. And it sounds almost normal compared uh, to some of those other things. Yeah, I know. Some of this other stuff. Man, electric fish. The electric fish sing like birds. Um, they sing territorial songs with, with electromagnetism. I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. Ants that garden, that, that clip little pieces of, of vegetation and take it back to their homes where they use it as a substrate for a fungus garden, which is their only food. And so on and so on and so on. It is a, a place of just epic scale. And, and the dramas going on there are epic, too, because right now, you know, it's, it's really under siege in the Amazon. Um, horrendous fires, horrendous oil spills, um, mercury from gold mining, uh, incredible deforestation, and the bravery of some of the people and groups that are trying to save the Amazon is epic as well. And, uh, and one of the things that the dolphins showed me as I was trying to follow them was some of the projects where this is really working by making the people who already know that the forest gives them everything they need by making those people be the stewards of the rainforest and using the knowledge they already have to help protect their resources. And um, this really gave me a, a lot of hope. I didn't want to write a bummer Amazon book. Uh, and, and how can you be bummed out for long when you're traveling with these kind of creatures who have a great sense of humor, I might tell you, too. <laughs> they, they, they knew that I was trying to follow them, and they would just sink out of sight. I know that they, that they knew it was like a giant shell game. And then they would come up on the back of your canoe and blow all of a sudden. And then you'd whip your head around, and they'd sink down. Oh, Almost but, sounds more like a dog than a dolphin. <laughs> well, they're really, they're really smart animals. Um, and it, it took me four expeditions before I could actually go into the water, swim with them, and look into their face and know who it was. Because the rest of the time, all my other trips, you'd see the top of a head, and it would be gone. You'd see the top of a, a their dorsal ridge, and it would be gone. You wouldn't know it was the same animal, a different animal. You, you'd see somebody's tail, but whose tail was it? They also change color. <laughs> so it, it, it was just terrible trying to study these, these guys until I finally went to clear water. And I, went, I would go out every day, quarter mile into the, into the river, and uh, seven dolphins would come and surround me and pull their heads out of the water and look in my face. And they have the most exquisite sonar of any dolphin. They're able to see, like... Um, uh, like an ultrasound, you know, can see inside a woman's womb. So they knew what was in my stomach. They, I mean, they, they knew I had a faulty valve in my heart, and they could see this with their sonar. But they still wanted to pull their face out of the water and look with their eyes into mine. Because I think they knew that my head belonged above water. And they were interested in looking in my face because I think they know that we wear our emotions on our, on our faces. That's just an amazing thing. You know, you could have come back with 20 books. I mean, the, 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 the fact that you were able to, to pack so much information into one slender little volume is amazing. Boy, well, it, 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 was, it was a great, great blessing to be able to do this. And it didn't start out that way. Um, actually, I, I, 
I was very lucky because the first um, the first day I arrived in Brazil, uh, they were having an opera for the first time in almost a century at this incredible opera house that's a thousand miles up in the Amazon. So this was really cool that I got to go to this opera in, in this in the Teatro Amazonas, which is a um, gorgeous, opulent building that looks like it's in Paris, but no, it's it's in Brazil. And the next night, I found myself sleeping on um, a floating house, hearing dolphins breathe beneath the floor. Uh, but I also very quickly discovered that the whole idea for the book went down the drain when I found out that my idea was I wanted to follow them on their migration. I'd read that they migrated. And uh, so I show up at the office of the biggest uh, pink dolphin researcher in the whole world, Vera da Silva, who generously had me to her office and say, okay, um, so what should I do to track them on their migration? She goes, oh, they do not migrate. I went, oh, but what about the paper that you wrote in which you said they did? Oh, we thought they migrated, but that was before we put the radio telemetry on. Now we, don't, we know they don't migrate. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, darn, you know. <laughs> and, and, and this was the days of my first expedition. <laughs> but, you know, as, as with most journeys, you think you're going from point A to point B. You mm -hmm. think that you're going to get this out of it. But the dolphins had other ideas. And I, although I did not ever follow an individual going from point A to point B, I did follow them into places I never thought I would go to. I followed them up into the treetops. I followed them back into time. Mm -hmm. And I followed them into this whole world of myth. And I followed them into the best possible future for the Amazon when I was learning about projects like Rainforest Conservation Fund's project that helps the local people conserve their own forests. And I also saw the alternative future when I would see these huge barges with logs uh, coming down the Amazon and see enormous uh, columns of smoke rising when the Amazon was burning. And the dolphins led me there. And it wasn't where I thought I would go, but it was where I needed to go. And I chose good guides. Cy Montgomery is 64 now. She still writes books for adults and children, over two dozen books in all. And she lives in New Hampshire. And you can find easy Amazon links to some of Cy Montgomery's books at our website, HeardEverything.com. And while you're at HeardEverything.com, don't miss my interviews with two other people closely associated with all kinds of wildlife, my 1990 talk with the legendary Jane Goodall. When I was a child, I had two dreams. One was to study animals, work with them, learn about them, preferably in Africa. And the other was to write books about them. So how fortunate I've been that those dreams have come true. And my conversation with Steve Irwin's widow, Terry Irwin. He didn't look at an animal and say, that could rip my head off, or, gee, that's the most venomous snake on earth. He appreciated and admired its beauty and its adaptability and just genuinely loved it, and I never saw him scared of anything. And, of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything. We think back to the sad news we heard last week about the passing of comedian Gilbert Gottfried. Well, next time on Now I've Heard Everything, my 2012 interview with Gilbert Gottfried. When I do the Tonight Show, it's like people's favorite part. 
is not the bit so much, but when you, you screw up totally. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. <laughs>